Hello and welcome to episode 184 of Effect. Not far from the madding crowd. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave. I think. It's early on a Sunday and I'm <laughs> tired. <laughs> we're both tired, Dave. We're both but I, tired. We are, we are. Are we starting be... a third time, Dave? No, no, no. Let's just carry on. I it's think gonna we're be... going to keep this in. It's going to be a disaster anyway. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm Dave. And today on the show, we have got uh, obviously some world of gaming stuff to talk about. As I said in my first attempt at my introduction... So, yeah, so we've got no new patrons, sadly. Um, we've got some World of Gaming stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a bit about UK Games Expo. And we've been recently putting a lot of effort into our game Tales of the Old West. And there's been some progress on that that we thought we would fill you in on. Yeah, was... and that, I think that's particularly interesting because for the first time, the the first public game of Tales of the Old West is out there. And Indeed. Bruce is going to be running it. And I feel now that I've started that conversation, I need to be giving people some details. But I don't need to give people any details because it's already sold out. Less than two hours of going up at Tabletop Live in Scotland. It has sold out. So there's no point in us publicising it. Except well, to say that patron uh, Bruce, friend of the show, uh, is running it. And uh, yeah, we, we'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, but I mean that is that is great because Tabletop Scotland is not until late August, and here are people obviously looking at it as soon as the things come out. And does this, you know, does this portend well for interest in a Wild West Euro Zero engine game? I, I, it, it is one data point I am reserving judgment. It is. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, but it's it's very encouraging. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, a lot more encouraging that if nobody bothered signing up for yes, it at all. Yeah, yeah. If, so. if, 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 they, if we were indeed saying, please, please sign on to Bruce's game, we may be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> or it might just be that the people who have signed up know how good a GM Bruce is. And he, he, he could have yeah, been running Yeah, that may anything. be it. They said, oh, oh, anything that Bruce is running has got to be good. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Even if the game's shit, it'll be good. I wonder mm-hmm. which of our T-shirts Bruce bought. Did he buy uh, I'm the best GM or did he know. buy um, I, that's why I'm a middling GM or a barely adequate GM? Uh, we'll have to ask him. I think most people bought barely adu- adequate because they're all very humble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unlike, yeah. Unlike us who spent unlike- the last four years arguing about which one of us is the best. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, at least that argument settled. <laughs> yes, and I'm sorry that you lost. Mm, that's not the way I was thinking about it. Right, yes, shall we get anyway. into the world of gaming yes. after the longest intro we've ever done? The longest and the least professional, even least, even even worse than than the one we did on the very first show, and that was a bit of a shaky show. But at yeah, least then, yeah. at least then, I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> this time, well, my I, eyes, my eyes are a bit a bit blurry. I haven't been out of bed that long. I've got a cup of tea that's only half drunk. And it's nine o'clock on a Sunday, for God's sake. So uh. yeah, we, we we should we should put all these excuses, lay them out on the table. We are now so listeners yes. to the last show who aren't patrons won't know that um, the last show, which you recorded just before um, or between interviews for a job, um, indeed, I've got that job and I've started it, and um, it, it's great, but it's also very busy. So we're recording this on a Sunday, whereas normally we record it in a relaxed fashion. On, on a Friday, a Friday morning, um, and we're squeezing it in in a very hectic schedule. I know for you, Dave. Although today is the one day off I have, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was up late. I don't know when you got to bed last night, Dave. It's quite late. Yeah, and I spent, so I I spent, doing... all, I spent all day yesterday at Trent Bridge watching um, England play New Zealand in the second test. And well, it that should have cra- been nice and relaxing, and well, uh, well, sent you to sleep. It was it was it's relaxing, but in a in a tiring way, if you know what I mean. Because it, <laughs> because sitting in the sunshine all day is actually quite tiring. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. England, England's play was quite tedious at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, <laughs> of course, yeah. it was. It was cricket, Dave. <laughs> although, although I was saying to 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 my friends that I was with um, that actually, even if the cricket is tedious, it's so nice just sitting there because no one can badger you for anything. No one can come and say, you got to do the dishes or walk the dog. You can just sit there in the sunshine and relax and enjoy it. And that's what we did. That's what you did. So you had a lovely relaxing day. I was working at the game shop yesterday and um, uh, doing quite well, I have to say. I was just telling you before we started about how uh, 
Right, uh, in the hour before midnight, I did a £1,300 sale of a bunch of stuff. So that was, that was, that was great. If only that had been my last day at the game shop, it would be a lovely way to finish. But no, still got another day or another night in a couple of weeks' time. I was going to say that um, you, you clearly missed your vocation as a, a, a retail salesman. That's what you should be doing <laughs> Absolutely. Your life. You know me. And those of you who will have met me at live shows, apart from this year's UK Games Expo, will have, uh, will have seen how, 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 how I can charm you into a sale. <laughs> I also oh, met... Oh, uh, oh, 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 go on, go on. I've got to say, I hope we've got another couple of listeners because uh, uh, I I met a couple of people who came into the shop the first time they were up there and they were up from Gosport and one of them loves Coriolis. So, ah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, I hope we have a couple of more listeners from UK Games Expo because I was chatting to a few people there. And so I hope really? we might have some new listeners on board. But I was going to say, I, I think I have... I have this, this is the one area in my life, in my experience, where I will admit that I've learned from you. And I'm a better salesman salesperson than i was four years ago because i watched you and it's quite interesting seeing you know just just as, as part of uk games expo i wasn't doing much behind the counter actually because i was running mm-hmm. demos but i did a little bit and you can just see the kind of reluctance of some people to want i think some people don't enjoy that environment even though they feel they've got to be there uh, sorry, people behind the counter, you mean, or, or people yeah. coming to the counter? Yeah, people, yeah. people behind the counter. Um, mm. And then I just, you know, I've now just got used to just getting them saying, buy another copy, come on, you know you want one. Um, yes. which, which I which I wasn't so comfortable doing a few years ago. But yeah. um, having watched you basically make a fool of yourself and sell a lot of stuff, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happier to make a fool of myself in an attempt to sell more, more stuff. It's all about confidence in the product, Dave. You know, we know these are great products on this stand. Yeah. And I think sometimes, let's be fair, you know, sometimes the people behind the counter are the creators of the product. Yes. And if you like, they know everything that's wrong with it. And, you know, maybe they're feeling, <laughs> oh, if only, you know, we could have done this, that, or the other thing, but we had to make these compromises in production. So they've got a lot of baggage they bring with them. Um, yeah, maybe, we don't. Yeah. We're just fans, you and I. Um. But it's interesting as as well, because you are doing, I mean, we're going to talk about UK Games Expo in detail, so we should maybe save this conversation yeah. later. But since we're talking about selling stuff, you know, you were lucky in your position to be a little bit distant and be able to watch them. And if you remember last time we were at UK Games Expo together, which was a year ago, I, you know, I kept watching another stand, which shall remain nameless, and yes, um, pointing yes. out behaviours there that you know weren't going to sell games. Um, no, no, that is very and, true. And so you get a bit of distance, and then when, so you did get in occasionally and sold some stuff. Did you at UK Games Expo? Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I was only behind the counter for over the three days for, for maybe half an hour or an hour at the most, right. um, covering or if I was loitering, and then there was somebody who needed, you know, wanted to talk to somebody. You could see somebody um, that wouldn't, yeah. And nobody else is there. Then I'd, then I'd step up and, and, and just, just chip in. Um, oh, yeah, I, just, I sold a few things. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to upsell particularly because, you know, a lot of people were coming along. Yeah, with not, an intent to buy. Not requiring much convincing, yeah. So that was <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, that was really nice. But of course, but, you like, should always upsell them because they've got a thing they want to buy. You need to sell them another thing as well. Yes, I, I, I do try. I'm just not. I'm not as talented a. I'm not sure what the right phrase is. Snake oil salesman as you are, but that that you're not a snake oil salesman because you're not selling snake oil. So. No, that yes, confidence in the product, mate. <laughs> okay. So, um, that, that, that so we're going that. to talk about UK Games Expo in a bit, in a bit more detail. You've yeah. got a bit of an essay from there. But first of all, let's deal with the first bit of World of Gaming news. Who won prizes at UK Games Expo, Dave? Well, well, we did, actually. Hooray! Um, I'm, I'm... Our podcast was favourite podcast of UK... No, that's not... No, not, not us. Not, not us as in we. We as in Free League. <laughs> um, so, actually, I... I it was, so I'm going to talk about this later on. It was really busy. And on that final day, it was all a bit manic. And so only one of us got to go to the reward, the, the award ceremony, which was Matthias. Mm-hmm. Whilst the rest of us were busy sort of taking down the stand and sort of packing up as much as we could. Because the Free League guys had 
sort of slightly miscalculated their flight times and had to go at half past three. Oh, right. Oh, right. Which is before the thing finished, mm. um, just to make sure they got their, their flight home. So um, I didn't have the leisurely Sunday afternoon that I was kind of hoping where I could go and just be part of the part of the crowd and, and, and you know, cheer and chat and clap all the winners. Mm. So I don't actually know who won what else, actually. Well, Although I do know. So obviously Free League were um, won the Judges Award for the best role-playing game for Twilight 2000, which is, yeah, cool. brilliant stuff, really good. And then they got the People's Award for the best expansion with Colonial Marines Operation Manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I've, I, it's great for me. I mean, I was, I was, I've worked on both of those, <laughs> even yeah. though tiny, tiny, tiny amount on on Twilight Two Thousand. So, uh, you know, there's but, a um, good three, four, five hundred controversial words in there. About six hundred, please. Come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not so tiny after all, and possibly among some of the most controversial words. <laughs> well, among you know, I mean, UK fans. It's 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 lining it's lining me up to um, prepare myself for the feedback for war stories when that comes out because <laughs> I, I I think I'm, it's, it might be a bumpy ride for, for, from some fans I suspect. I'm I'm from, trying to from look the, up and see the who history. else won prizes, but I can't see at the moment the um, awards. Why can't I find the awards? I think I think D sanction won something. Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking. So Paul, I think Paul Adventures won something. Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly what it was they won, but yeah, Paul definitely won something. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not really sure. I say I, I did that afternoon was just so busy that it was. Uh, I, I had to drop the afternoon demo. Oh right, yeah. Because we just d- didn't have uh, the bandwidth Couldn't... to to do it with everything else. Mm-hmm. And then didn't didn't get to the to the ceremony, which is which was a, a which is a pity. It would have been nice to have gone to that, but um, obviously being busy was uh, yeah. we were you know, other things had to be done. Right. Okay. So shall we move on to other world of gaming news? Um, you had an interesting chat at UK Games Expo with Maz from uh, Rowan Rook and, and Deckard. Deckard. Yeah. No, that was nice. So I. Um, I'd, I'd heard a lot of good things about Spire from a number of people. So our, our friend of the show and patron, Neil, as one, and then the Free League guys were chatting about it and saying how good it was. So I was kind of in the mood to, to spend a little bit of money and um, went along, had a really good chat with Grant and the rest of the guys in the um, in the booth there. Bumped into our old friend, um, Ziz, from mm. uh, from Dragon from Meat years ago, who yes. we remember, who who died um, horribly in our, well. in our in our Grindbone tournament in um, in Dragon Meat in 2019? Oh. 18. 2018 it would yeah, have been twenty eighteen yeah um, so a long time ago so it's nice just to that say that is in a previous podcast if you guys want to check it out uh, yes indeed um, and then had a quick and then had a little chat with Maz talking about freelancing and. Um, uh, you know, the work I was doing for Free League. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Just, you know, it, I, I'm not great at just going and networking, as people call it. So mm. having the opportunity, yeah, and, and and something, you know, sensible to talk about other than just saying, hello, I'm Dave, aren't I, aren't I lovely? Um, yeah, and talking about the games and things. And, and then I did buy Spire and I bought Heart and I bought, so Grant did a good job of upselling, actually. He he upsold to me a couple of things, <laughs> like a GM screen and uh, an adventure pack and things. So I spent a bit of money there. Uh, um, but for me, you know, I'm I'm not very good at just going and kicking off conversations out of the blue, as some people are. So it was really nice to have a chat with Maz and talk a little bit about, um, you know, what's coming. And obviously, Die is the game that they have currently got on Kickstarter. With cool. and Die oh. is of course also a comic from Kieran Gillen, and it's a yeah. comic about a bunch. Of, it's kind of like I like I like to call this, and, and I I don't know whether Kieran would appreciate this. Mm-hmm. It's like the original Dungeons and Dragons animated series, in that uh, a bunch of people find themselves in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Although in this game, uh, it's a bunch of people 
who find themselves in another role-playing world mm. um and um and so there's a strong rpg connection uh in the comic and of course one thinks surely this should be an rpg and soon mm-hmm. it will be yeah so i think actually we are just a little bit late because i think their kickstarter has now concluded um but successfully so they've they've made five hundred and twenty-three thousand um pounds on their 30 grand pledge for their goal and they've got over eight thousand backers so they've done pretty well um on that so it's not a game that i think immediately appeals to me uh i didn't back it um i you know i can i can see that those people who are who are fans of the comic um, would 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 love it and would would easily get into it, but I think just the, the sense of it just feels slightly. What's the right word I'm looking for? Sort of um, not parallel dimension kind of thing, but just a, a, a shift in the approach to a game. In that you know you're you're playing characters that are playing characters. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Which. Um... Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I can see what you mean. I don't think that necessarily appeals to me. It's one of the things that slightly winds me up in mm-hmm. video games with the Assassin's Creed yes, nonsense. I, well, I just forget about it in Assassin's Creed and just go and <laughs> yeah, play the game. Yeah, but they keep doing cutscenes and things that you I have know, to wander around. And modern, yeah. yeah, so that, that, that really annoys me in that game. And it doesn't annoy me all the time. So um, I'm sure I've said this story before, but we've got new listeners. They haven't heard it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we're, old... we're, four, we're four years in. If we can't recycle old content by now, then, you know, when, when can yeah. we? <laughs> and I'm sure those who have heard this story before uh, wouldn't mind another rendition. So there is in uh, one of the... Dave, Dave, <laughs> I know you're tired. Just let me have my... Have my go break. on, go You've on, been talking about bloody UK Games Expo for bloody hours, Dave, and now it's my turn. <laughs> um, so uh, I... Yeah, uh, there's a classic traveller scenario, which I think is called Secrets of the Ancients. And towards the climactic end of that campaign... Um, you kind of go back in time to see how the uh, spoilers <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. you go back in time to experience things from a different point of view so you are obviously you're sitting at a table playing a character and then that character effectively is playing another character and so you're seeing everything through you know, a sort of meta uh, role-playing role-playing um <laughs> yeah eyes and that can be fun and of course we did this most recently in the uh, what's coming up in the current for those uh, listeners who also listen to our uh, podcast stream in the current Coriolis story uh, the children of the song you guys are about to end up in a similar situation looking yeah. at an historical point of view from uh inhabiting another character in in an adventure that happened some time ago and i think Again, doing that once in a while i'm not is fun. In a while, doing it once is fun yes yeah um, um i guess but playing just, a whole just, game of it um you think like, yeah yeah i guess it's you know i don't know has there ever been a, a role-playing game of quantum leap or um yeah a game where you play a like a, a medium or a, a um you know a clairvoyant who can project themselves into other other bodies and then run the adventure as that person yeah yeah i don't know whether playing a different character every episode or every every scenario would be much fun but yeah i've well, never I heard of know. a quantum I mean, role-playing game but yeah so for for neither of us neither of us backed it but some of our patrons did yes. um but uh we went on that backing thing Partly because this year I'm not into a backing mood. I'm, I'm just wondering whether my new job and the extra money is going to get me back into backing stuff. <laughs> Possibly. But, yeah. but at the same so, time, my room is too full of books. Yeah. So, um, so maybe yeah, so, not. So a few weeks ago, um, I've told you this, but I'm not sure I mentioned it on the show. I, I did a complete reorganise of my tiny little office. Mm-hmm. So I've... I've got the smallest room in the house as my, as my little office where I'm sitting right now. What? Um, you do this in the toilet? No, my toilet's probably bigger than this room, actually. Just. Uh, okay, right. Only just. Um, but it might as well but have been. It, would, uh, it <clears throat> would explain some of the sounds we hear that I have to edit out. <laughs> I'm not sat on the toilet as I'm doing the episode. 
have you know. Now, I'm sure there'd be somewhat more resonance over there. but um, <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. So I'll believe you, so, mate. I'll anyway, believe the po- you. The point I was making was um, I've, done, I've done a good job. I'm very pleased with it. I, I was able to get rid of an old wardrobe that was, because this used to be my wife's dressing room. So I've got mm-hmm. rid of all of that crap. I've now got shelves up on one wall and filled them with all my games. And I did, I, you know, I enabled myself to have one shelf where I could put out a few minis, um, you know, my X-Wing stuff and my Star Trek Eagle Moss minis that have just been... And your been, ball, the ball that boxes. you dropped. That's my, my ball My ball that I dropped is, is still sitting pride of place on my windowsill. All right, okay. I'm, I'm fondling it now. Excellent, yeah. <laughs> See previous <laughs> episodes of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, apologies for a new listener who goes, oh my God, and turns off immediately at this point. Uh, but the point I'm making, which is which is probably nowhere near as interesting as it, as it needs to be for such a long intro, is that mm-hmm. um, when I put all my games back in, there's no room for anything else. So Spire and Heart that are now downstairs, I've got no room for them in my office because I have no, no wall space to put them. Mm. So, uh, so my no wife, more role playing is, games. Well, my wife has long been an advocate of one in, one out, which I obviously mm. don't agree with in the slightest. Um, but I, might I can have make to... a somewhat double entendre joke about that, but I won't. <laughs> oh no, man! It's too early on a Sunday for that kind of talk. You're uh, doing the talk. I'm just here commenting. You're doing the entendres. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Um, I th- like you, I, I've been a bit more circumspect about what I've been backing lately. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've backed anything for a while, actually. Um, um, uh, surely Blade Runner. With the exception of, yeah, Blade Runner was the last thing I backed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But by what, well, I mean, that feels more than a while ago by mm. my normal kind of kick, kickstart backing standards. Um, but yeah, so no, I wasn't tempted by, by Die. But it was uh, it was great to have a chat to Maz, and um, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, there'll be there'll be more stuff in future. All right. Well, um, while you were at UK Games Expo, I was stuck at work scrolling through my um, social feed, trying to you know pick up a bit of the vibe of UK Games Expo, and failing miserably and getting very jealous. Um, but <laughs> um, just. There's been some kerfuffle on the social feed that we're not going to go into, but it does kind of raise an interesting point that I think is worth talking about in the world of gaming. Um, some celebrities, a couple of celebrities, have been accused, and indeed I, there has been shared uh, behaviour that looks pretty much like they are gits. Um, find it for yourself if you're more interested in it. But it it's about the treatment of freelancers. And... You know, I feel we have been blessed um, in the freelance work that we have done with, well, at least with Free League, which is stuff that I've done. But I I don't think you have a crappy relationship with uh, your other freelance client at, over at War Stories, uh, the guys at No, Firelock not Games. at all. Um, it's, uh, I, yeah, I think actually we've been very, very, very lucky to mm-hmm. have started with Free League and then Firelock Games have um, treated me really well and been really open and generous in um, in kind of our arrangements um, around doing war stories and um, rendezvous with destiny and then the next part of that which I'm which I'm now working on um, the market garden part of the campaign mm-hmm. so I, I think I, I think we were fortunate really to to start with free league whose terms, have been, according to other stuff I've seen, are reasonably generous for freelancers. I think very um, generous, actually. Yes. Um, very and generous. it gives us an opportunity then to go to, well, gives, gave you an opportunity when you said, uh, when, well, when you were approached for work on war stories, to say, well, you know, this is what I normally charge. Um, and so... Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, d- I, think, I, I think Free League is must be a bit of an outlier because i suspect the rest of the yeah industry, no absolutely i think the rest if you of the look industry at pays pays quoted you know, a, rates for other things rate. yeah 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 but i think that's you know yeah. that is a bit of the problem so you know uh, w- there's loads of people out there we are in an industry where you are 
if you are a participant in this hobby of ours, you are naturally creative. And so there yeah. are very many people out there who would love to create. And, you know, I've got to say that that pure sense of pride of, um, of getting the name in print in that alien core book. Yeah. You know, I'd have done that for free. Um, we were paid, but I'd have done it for free. And that's, that yeah. is a bit of, at, at the heart, that's a bit of a problem is you will make compromises both on what you charge and what shit you'll take from potential clients in, in return for, for having, you know, effectively your name in print, getting something out there and into the real world being recognized as being part of another product. And so, you know, I do think it is, you know, and particularly, you know, we might be, about to head into a phase of where we start spending money on freelancers yes. for Tales of the Old West. And we've just got to take all that on board. And I think we've got to try and be generous, as generous as we can afford. I don't know what that is at the moment. Um, but also, we've got to treat people civilly because yeah, people like us. Completely. Effectively. So I, th- I, think that, <clears throat> I think the key thing is is being you know, open and transparent with people. Now, I... I think, you know, I've got a sense of what the industry charges for a freelance designer or writer, because obviously I've been involved in that. Um, What I don't have a sense of is the going rate for a good quality stroke, top quality artist or or layout expert or or editor and that proofreader, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Because, you know, I've not I've not had to source any of that or I've not been charging somebody for those services. So I, so I, I, I don't know how much we're going to have to, uh, you know, kind of invest at this early stage for Tales of the Old West to get it mm. even to the spot where we, where we can do a spread mm. and a bit of layout yes. so we can demonstrate what it looks like. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do. <clears throat> Let's not talk about those prices right now because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> but but yeah, actually, I I do on things like art, but I'm a bit a lot more vague on what layout artists cost so yeah um, yeah so that's an interesting thing we but i think i think around. i think the key thing so so sorry i think the point i was trying to make was um you know I've, I've had chats with other um other companies about potential work uh none of which has, has has come off into anything yet but there's still some possibilities but the you know the the, the prices that were quoted uh the rates that were quoted were were quite low Mm-hmm. Particularly for someone, you know, I, I'm not partic- you know, I'm not established in the community yet. You're not Graham um, Davis, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and so therefore, as a relatively new coming freelancer, someone who's not got a great long track record, then they're going to pay yeah less money because mm. I guess it's a it's a bit of a risk. I might turn out to be rubbish, <clears throat> but the they the the people I was talking to were honest and open about it, and mm-hmm. then were were explaining. How okay? Well, but once you get a couple of things under your belt, then obviously you get more credibility. Your the rates will then go up. Um, so you know, I, I don't mind it. I guess I've got a comment about that. Um, as long as people are, are are honest and open about everything and deal with you in a open and honest way, which I think is how we will deal with anybody we speak to or we engage or we commission to do any work for us that's the key thing you know even if we're only able to offer you know relatively low rates of pay just because we can't afford Mm. um you know uh, you know until we have a great successful kickstarter you know we can't afford to pay better money for 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 the artwork um you know that's something we just need to be open and honest about and then we 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 have to then accept the best artist we can get for that money Mm-hmm. which might not be might not be the person we might particularly ideally want because perhaps we've seen that artwork and we think it's absolutely fabulous but they might be outside our price range so we need to find mm-hmm. somebody who can do something similar but who who um you know is less established and wants the opportunity to to start oh you're dangerously talking about exposure there i know um so anyway, uh, yeah. I think you know that th- there is there is a right way of approaching this kind of stuff, even if you can only offer low rates of pay, and there's mm. a wrong way of approaching this kind of stuff. So yeah, um, 
let us so is that all in the world of gaming actually I think it is. Yeah, I don't think I've got. Yeah, not because UK Games Expo has been pretty all all encompassing, really. Um, I mean, I guess the one thing we could say, which is a bit of a expo thing, is that Ruins of Simbarum was released on Tuesday, the seventh of June this week, this last week. So um, that's that's out there now for those people who wanted to try and get their hands on it. Um, but we we'll probably talk a bit about that. I think we're talking about that. That's not hit the stores yet. Um, I have still, I've not opened the box in which Ruins of Simbaroom has come. Okay. So I need to do that. Um, But yeah, we're being a bit crap, aren't we? Well, I I have opened the box. Yeah, well, luckily you have because you you have to demo the game. (laughs) Well, maybe we should listen to your report on UK Games Expo and then I may have some other questions. Sounds good. So, UK Games Expo 2022 has come and gone. This is my fourth expo in a row as an exhibitor, if you include the online version in 2020, and it was great to be back at full capacity. Last year was great. Getting the convention running in the midst of COVID was nothing short of a miracle, and even with the reduced number of contributors and visitors, UK Games Expo showed that big events like this could be run, despite the risks of the pandemic. But last year, thanks to that virus, Matthew and I were running the Free League show as the folks from Sweden weren't able to travel. We were responsible for everything. What a terrifying prospect, I hear you say. Matthew and Dave responsible for everything. But somehow we muddled through, with a lot of hard work. If anything, this year was harder work. I was brought in mainly to run demo games for Free League, as well as help set up the booth cover for the others when necessary, and then break down the booth at the end of the con. I also attended the Thursday evening press preview show, while Matthias Jonsson-Harker was rushing in from the airport. The other folks from Sweden were Nils Karlian, game director for Alien and Versen, the superb artist and candidate for nicest man on the planet, Martin Grip, Costa Kostoulis, the new game director for Coriolis, and the events manager and all-round organiser, Anna Westerling. Also, Stockholm Cartel's Johan Noor came with them to bag some space on the stall and sell Merck Boya. It was great to see them all again, and Anna and Johan for the first time. Right, so what shall I talk about? I had a really fun time running the demo games of The One Ring and Ruins of Simbarum, and there are a few things I can talk about there. I got to meet up with lots of great people, most notably quite a few of the Effects Discord community, some of whom had travelled a long, long way to be there. Had the chance to talk to the guys about Tales of the Old West. And I got a limited haul of swag. But first, I wanted to mention a singular act of kindness, which, when it happened, I was so all over the place in my head, I didn't really register what had actually happened. It was early on the last day, I think. It might have been Saturday. And a fellow I didn't recognise, he was wearing a mask, came up to the stall and gave me a gift of chewy mints with a simple message for your throat. I'd been suffering from too much talking and had mentioned it to a few people. I have to admit I was a bit shocked and surprised, but I took them, thanked the gentleman and proceeded to scoff them during the day. I was so out of it I didn't even think to ask him his name. But if you're listening, thank you so much for your kindness. It was very gratefully received. It made a real difference to my voice surviving the weekend. And please get in touch and let me know who you are. So, to the demos. For both The One Ring and Ruins of Simbaroom, I took a pre-written scenario and amended it slightly for convention play. For The One Ring, I took the starter set scenario, Most Excellent Fireworks, and for Ruins, Where Darkness Dwells. I had an absolute blast running both of them. I want to say a huge thank you to all the players who joined and got so stuck in to both games that it made my job much easier and enormous fun. Only using the starter set for the One Ring, I didn't get a good feel for the full core book rules. Sadly, I didn't have time to read through all of it and prepare everything else I needed for the convention. But the player consensus was that the system played fast, 
encouraged role-playing and was sufficiently simple without being too noddy. Quite a lot were heavy D&D 5e players, but they liked the game and many were keen to experience the darker side of Middle-earth, as the starter set, based in the Shire and playing, on the whole, Hobbits, is at the softer and more light-hearted end of the spectrum. Although, that said, at one point, Lobelia Bracegirdle did get skewered by a nasty jagged spear right through her exquisite umbrella, and at another point, they all got blown up. I didn't have the heart to wipe the party at that point, so they all got away with singed hair and smoking outfits. Talking of 5e, I surprised myself by how much I enjoyed playing Ruins. I had to cut a lot out of the scenario to make it fit 90 minutes, as well as add some background for the players to sharpen the scenario hook for them at the start. But that was easy enough. The tough bit for me was genning up on the 5e rules and creating five pregens, making sure that I had all the rules and modifiers right for each one. The scenario itself was a little bit unbalanced in places, as I think I mentioned in the last show. But I kept the last boss as tough as she is in the book. Every group defeated her, but every group suffered casualties. The boss did roll an actual 20, twice, on her nastiest attack, and one-shotted two characters at different times. But that was a lot of fun. I didn't use minis, but feel that 5e is a game that's really sitting in that no-man's land between mini-skirmish games and role-playing. Its combat, as you all know, can be highly tactical from the point of view of the abilities, skills and spells you might use, but doesn't readily encourage role-playing in the way that other games, like I think the original Simbaroom, Tales from the Loop and Verson do. But the setting has ported really well into a 5e rule set, and the addition of corruption, while not as terrible and all-pervading as the original Simbaroom, it still adds a new dynamic and a thought process for players to worry about, especially those pesky casters. I did have a lovely sense of nostalgia in learning 5e, creating the pregens, although that took all bloody day, <laughs> and running the scenario, and can definitely see the allure of what feels to me like a World of Warcraft party combat experience, but on the tabletop. I get that comparison probably should be framed in reverse, but hopefully you get what I mean. If nothing else, the three-book set in its lovely cardboard sleeve is something that would adorn the shelves of even the most ardent 5e hater. I was delighted that Frank, his lovely kids Aidan and Caitlin, and Mohammed joined me for one of the Ruins games. It was fabulous to meet them in the flesh for the first time, as it was to meet our kid, Jerry. On top of that, it's always wonderful to meet again those of you who I've had the pleasure of meeting for real in the past. Millie, Craig... Paul, Peter, Bruce, Neil, Phil, Erin. It was a delight to catch up. But the award for the most determined of you must go to Mohammed, who travelled all the way from Cairo in Egypt to join us. Now that's commitment. On to Tales of the Old West. Having released our version 0.4 to our top tier patrons a little while ago, Bruce had gone and got the damn thing printed. Knowing I was having a chat with the Free Leaguers about it, he let me borrow the text. It was really cool to actually hold a vaguely proper copy in my hands for the very first time. Nils, Costa, Martin and Johan were all kind enough to listen to my comments and questions and offered some superb advice and guidance. I've taken a load of hints and tips, pointers and do's and don'ts from that conversation. Matt and I have our work cut out, but we have a definite direction of travel and things to get on with. I can't thank Nils especially and the others enough for taking the time and for their generosity in helping us out like this. It's massively, massively appreciated. So on to swag. Normally at conventions, I get within half an inch of buying loads of things, but don't actually get over the line for any of them. This year was a little different. I think I was helped out by spotting some art I loved the look of, and purchasing a really cool painting on canvas of the original USS Enterprise by an artist called Solly Mohammed. This broke my buying duck. I told Solly, a lovely guy with loads of different stars and pictures, that my one disappointment was there was no painting of the Excelsior, my favourite Star Trek ship of all. He promised to get on with it and let me know when it's done. So with my credit card already warmed up, I went along to the Robin, Rook and Deckard stand, had a great chat with Grant Howitt 
and ended up buying Spire, Heart and a couple of expansions. I haven't had a great opportunity to look through them in detail yet, but I've had recommendations from all points of the compass, so here's hoping in expectation. The three and a half days flew by, with running demos, doing a bit behind the counter, and hosting a seminar on playability in RPGs on Friday lunchtime. I'd like to thank all those who attended the seminar and got stuck in with questions and comments. I love doing this kind of thing, and hope that those who joined me found it interesting and at least a little bit enlightening. I got a round of applause at the end, so they seemed to appreciate it. In terms of numbers, the convention did pretty well. In 2019, UK Games Expo had around 420 traders and saw about 26,000 unique visitors, with a little over 45,000 repeat visitors. By comparison, 2022's show was bigger with over 450 traders and saw similar attendance numbers, 23,000 unique and nearly 40,000 repeat visitors. It did feel different to previous years. We didn't get the immediate rush of people at opening, but by mid-morning, the place was rammed. In terms of awards, Free League did really well, with the Judges Award for the Best RPG for Twilight 2000, and the People's Award for the Best Expansion for the Alien RPG Colonial Marines Operations Manual. Having worked on both of them, okay, okay, to a tiny extent on Twilight 2000, I've now been lucky enough to work on four award-winning publications. Talk about riding on Free League's coattails. So what are my parting thoughts? UK Games Expo is a fabulous event, and a huge thank must go out to all the organisers, volunteers, and NEC staff that helped make the whole thing go off so smoothly. I know from chatting to some of the volunteers that it was extra hard this year, as they had fewer of them as usual. So an even bigger thank you to all those who went the extra mile so people like me didn't even notice them. I just love this community. The openness, friendliness, inclusivity and tolerance of the overwhelming majority of the gaming community is a shining example to the rest of the world. With all the shit that's going on in the news these days, having a metaphorical three-day hug from this wonderful collection of people was just what this tired old soul needed. Long may it last. So, uh, obviously, I am insanely jealous, particularly mm. uh, about you getting to meet with Mohammed because um, you know he yeah that was fabulous especially. yeah and um, well I mean all all the all, it's always great to, to to meet up with our friends um, but especially those I hadn't met in the flesh before you know Mohammed mm. and, and Frank and his kids um, Caitlin and uh, Aiden who are fabulous and they got into the game brilliantly cool so great, what which fun. game did they play the two that you were running they they played Ruins. All right. Yep. Um, did I kill any of them? I think I killed Mohammed, actually. Well done. Uh, so he's uh, not going back one. to Egypt then. Uh, <laughs> oh, you killed um, his character. I his think, character, yeah. 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 Right. Uh, so, no, uh, that, I, mean, I think that is the, the biggest highlight for me. And obviously meeting Jerry as well for the first Killing time. Killing Mohammed is the biggest highlight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit of a track record for trying to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you are. You so, are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but not anymore, Mohammed. Not in Coriolis, anyway. <laughs> I promise. I like you in Coriolis now. It's okay. You're my crew. Yeah. Um, No, it was great. I loved it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I have got some serious questions though about actually about those two demo games you're running. Which, on reflection, do you think was the most popular? Did they sell out equally quickly? Did one have more demand than others? I, I, it was quite close actually. There was there was good demand for both. I think probably the One Ring just pipped it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, only, only based on the fact that uh, I'd after the first day, I immediately realised I'd been too ambitious in how many demos I was going to run. <clears throat> I'd mm-hmm. forgotten how hard it is, and or how tiring it is, and I'd forgotten that last time we did that, I was sharing them with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I was only doing half of them. So I, I cancelled the first demos on both Saturday and Sunday because it was just too much and I was mm-hmm. you know, not, not able to talk. 
But I had my arm twisted by Anna because there's a group of four people who turned up on Saturday desperate to play the one ring and desperately wanted to fill in the Sunday morning slot. So I agreed right. to run it. So, so on that very small sample, non-scientific basis, the one ring, I think, was slightly more popular. But there were people who wanted to play Ruins and there was one poor fellow who did get to play the One Ring, actually. Um, so it's not a total disaster for him. Who who had booked to play the Saturday morning Simba Room, but was the only you player cancelled. on it. And I cancelled. Mm-hmm. And then I had to cancel the Sunday afternoon Simba And he room. was on that as well. And he was on that as well. Um, <sighs> and, but the reason for that one was just, like I said earlier, was that... Um, uh, the freely guys, you guys had, to, up. had to be packing up to get get their flight. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It was too much for me to do on my own because we had a potential free league fan there, and now we're his nemesis. Well, not entirely because he came along and played. He he played the one ring on Saturday, I think, um, when he couldn't play Simba Room, and he he got stuck in and really enjoyed that. But Brilliant. he didn't get to play Ruins of Simba Room, sadly. So didn't apologies. I think the guy's name was Ben. I'm very sorry for that. Um, circumstances kind of overall outside my control certainly for the second cancellation um, ben yeah. i will <clears throat> ensure that david falls on his sword next time i meet him <laughs> repeatedly repeatedly <laughs> yeah um oh yeah but so so but i think it was pretty close actually there was quite a lot of interest for ruins of Simbaroom. it was interesting having some uh clearly experienced 5e players come to play ruins of mm-hmm. Simbaroom. And, and yeah, yeah, they 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 all enjoyed it. They they got stuck in. Um, uh, they quite liked the idea of not having spell slots and using corruption as a way of trying to to mediate so, your yeah. <clears throat> your spell casting. I mean, the only downside there, I think, in the rules is that if you are if if your particular cantrip is favoured, and there are some cantrips that just do like one d eight damage. You know, mm-hmm. if the if the target fails to save and roll, um, if they're favoured, they don't cost you any corruption at all. So you yeah. can just spam those things. Right. Um, yeah. on, on on the practice run, I did um, Morgan Connor and a couple of the other players know five e very well. They immediately were able to say, "Oh, okay, you've got this magic hand spell, and you've got a light spell, and you can do all these different things with that." And oh, if you add this spell to that. You know, all, all these sort of like combinations that 5e players yeah. have, have uncovered over the years. By yeah, playing which 5e. is kind of that, that you um, know, that's the joy of 5e is yeah. you know, breaking um, the game. Innova- innova- well, exactly. Finding innovative ways to break the game. Yeah. Um, it was fun, but there were things there that I didn't really, hadn't anticipated as, you know, not being an experienced 5e player. But he also had Magic Missile and it was a favoured spell. So he only took one corruption when he cast that. So come mm. the big big fight at the end, it was just magic missile, magic missile, magic missile, magic missile, which is also what Frank did in the game yeah. that, that we played with him. And as an experienced 5e player, that is what you're going to do. So I think mm-hmm. maybe the the, the 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 over, I think I mentioned it in my piece, the overarching kind of looming menace of corruption didn't feel as strong to me in ruins as it did in original Timberoon. Yeah. But also a number of our our patrons, people like Phil and um Andy and Neil, who've played a lot of original Simbaroom, have have commented that for them, certainly at low levels, corruption wasn't such a bad thing either in the original system. Which I didn't mm-hmm. really feel. I have to say, as a GM for the campaign we ran, and mm-hmm. I guess we only ran what, four or five scenarios? Um but in that, I I thought it felt to me that corruption was was something that was. Oh, well, I was cool. absolutely um, in fear of corruption. I wasn't yeah. a magic user anyway, but I I as a player, I was wanting to avoid anything that could corrupt me. Which yeah. Um, so I I was definitely feeling the fear. And I totally um, certainly did because he said there were a couple of occasions where he he tossed up whether he was going to cast a spell or not mm-hmm. based on how important it was to cast a spell in that moment on how much corruption you might get from it yeah and i like that but i didn't get that feel in 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 ruins in the same way 
yeah, so but fundamentally, you're, you're playing... surely in D and D, you are heroes, which you're kind of not in Simbaroom. That's true, and I think you could be quite cavalier with corruption in Five E in, mm. in the rules of Simbaroom and get away with it. So Frank was was doing a really good job of kind of testing, pushing the rules a bit, and so he was just casting spell after spell after spell in order to build up lots of corruption. Now, in the in the in the space of the one shot, the ninety minutes, he did get to his corruption threshold, but not badly enough that it caused him any real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be a bit more uh, you know, trigger happy with your spells, I think, in five e and get away with it. But yeah. um, but it's great. So people really enjoyed it. Um, people loved the wandering as well. I think the 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 most common comment I got from people or the most common question was um do the rules anywhere allow you to play things other than hobbits yes which is obviously a restriction of the starter set where you can only play hobbits or the, there is one dwarf in yes. the, in the pregens but it's a very different it's a very different feel that they're going for with the starter set it's not yeah. like a subset of the whole game it's no. it's like a subgenre of the whole game yeah, and, um, I, 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 and, and in fact, that's kind of what I enjoyed, having um, played now through all the adventures of the starter set. Mm. Um, I think I might have said this in a previous episode, but we're doing a lot of callbacks this, this episode anyway. Um, Con- content it, recycling, it's called, Matt. Content recycling. <laughs> it feels to me like that whole starter set not only introduces you to, you know, the rules and the, the way of playing, but it kind of creates the Shire as a safe space, as something yeah. worth protecting, which when you get into the full game and you're in the dark ruins of um, Eriador and stuff like that, then, you know, the Shire, your experience in the Shire is something you look back on with a sense of nostalgia and yeah. feeling, um, you know, we've, we've got to fight for this. We've got to fight Sauron um, uh, or, you know, whatever dark... A creature we're we're facing up to because of the hobbits in the Shire. So yeah. I, I I like that, but you're right. It doesn't necessarily give you a sense of what you're going to be doing in the full game. But no, but people loved it. Um, yeah. And as you would expect, most of the games revolved around stopping for meals. Um, mm-hmm. But it was great fun. And yeah, you know, I, I guess by by the end of the the last the last demo, I was a bit. You know, I, I wasn't laughing at the, oh, let's have second breakfast jokes <laughs> quite as hard as I was when I did the first demo because I'd heard them a million times. But the players <laughs> were loving it. The players are having a great time. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it's really good. But I think, uh, I think I said this before, I like to get into the, you know, I'm not such a big fan of starter sets generally because mm. I like to get into the meat of the rules of the game and, and see the whole thing. But your comment, the way you've explained the starter set here actually it, it is a nice little little twist on the starter set concept because yeah. it's giving you almost a kind of mini game in itself without really being a start well whilst being a starter set at the same mm-hmm. time which is which actually is really nice and i think your point about if you, you know if you run your players through that before you let them roll up characters and, and go out into the wider middle earth i think you're absolutely right it it sets up the Shire as, as something that's worth protecting. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice point. Yeah. So but it was great. It was fabulous. It was fabulous to see all the guys. It was great. I hadn't met Johan in the flesh before. It was fabulous to meet him from Stockholm cartel. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise with Anna, you know, we've dealt with her for years, but never actually, well, I'd never actually met her. You, you met her in Essen, didn't you? Last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was fabulous to meet her and it had a great time. And it was, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was the opportunity also to to sit down with the guys and talk to them about games in general, but also mm-hmm. um, it was a great opportunity to talk to them about our developing Tales of the Old West. Okay, before we, we first... move on to our <laughs> developing Tales, okay. I've got one more UK Games Expo question. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I just I'm harking you back to our segue, mate. You spoiled my yeah. Segway. I know. I, I I thought he's heading towards the segue, and it's too soon for a segue because <laughs> I have another question. Premature segue. That's a yeah. bad thing to have. So this, I just uh, last time we met in this fashion and recorded a show, we did spend about an hour sorting out the iPad. Was that worth it? Did did, did the yes. iPad do its duty during it did. the whole? It Excellent. did. It worked. So I, yeah, I, 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 I had another hour after that hour getting it working. 
Yeah, which yeah. basically meant a long conversation with with support uh, the company in question to get it working. And I had to spend an extra fiver. It was ridiculous. They said I had to top up before the. And the, the whole point of me sending you to that card, which had credit on it already, you know, at extra cost. Most of the other things, having... they sell that card for a quid, and then you've got to top it up. And I was trying yeah. to save you that hassle. No, so I had to top it up to activate the data that was on it. But once I'd done all that and all the rest of it, it was fine. It it worked like a dream. Mm, I was very pleased. And I now now know better how to make the thing work because whenever it didn't work, they all came to me and went, Dave, this doesn't work. (laughs) Fix it. And I went, okay, I think this is what Matt did. And it worked. (laughs) So So I got away with it. Yes. Heck, so, if they regard you as the technical yeah, expert on such things, we are screwed, mate. We are completely screwed. Yes, I, I'll totally hold my hands up to that one. Uh, right. um, but yes, now, thank you for your help because it worked. It was good. Yes. Uh, okay, so that that's the only other question I had. Now I'm wiping some segue from my cheeks. Um, <laughs> it looks like we were going to talk about uh, tales of the old west. So um, yeah, tell yes. us more about your conversation there. No, that's good. So three years ago, when we were there in 2019, mm-hmm. yeah, we've been planning Trails of the Old West for that long, mm-hmm. um, longer even. Longer, yeah. When we we had we had a chat with them over a few beers about you know about the game about Wild West in uh, Year Zero Engine. Yeah, they they kind of liked it mostly. Um, all of them except Matthias. I think Matthias hated it, but mm-hmm. um, Nils liked it. Martin liked it, um, and I think they still like it. Uh, so, so they've been very generous and said, look, you know, more than happy to take a look at, it, look at it and more than happy to offer you some advice and guidance and things. So he took the opportunity on Saturday evening in what was left of the sunshine um, to sit down with uh, with Nils, Costa, Martin and Johan and talk about it. So they had a little look through it. Nils had read, read through the book one that we'd sent to him previously. The PDF we'd sent is, him, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and we ought to and, just shout out to Bruce here that he had printed out a copy of that PDF yeah. and he loaned it to you for that conversation. He did, he did. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was yeah, even yeah, you know, even though it's in a very kind of pre-production state, it was lovely mm-hmm. having a real physical paper version in my hand to look at and just, just say, oh, we did this, you know, mm. um, which is great. So, so Neil said some very complimentary things. Um, we uh, we then talked about yeah he gave he gave some advice about what we should try to be focusing on in terms of of really making the game land so it's you know <laughs> what what does the game really bring to the table what does a player really get to do in fairly narrow what's the hook um, now our hook has for a long time been been pretty much around Deadwood we did talk <laughs> a little bit about um, the the travelling aspect you know the yeah, trail wandering aspect started off kind of um because if we go right back to our early days we were inspired by this brand new thing we'd got which was forbidden lands yeah and so we'd started off thinking we couldn't adapt this hex core mechanic and these other things to a western game and you could go across there but pretty quickly we came back to the town and to deadwood as being uh, our inspiration wasn't it our principal inspiration yeah, yeah. absolutely so, so they were giving advice about, you know, let's focus on that. We need to really understand in sort of three or four words what the game brings. What, what's the game style? You know, so mm-hmm. gritty, uh, authentic rather than realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, historically accurate, not whitewashing the history, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the basis That's of that... That's more than we, four or five words, but we need... I know, we but... <clears throat> yeah. um, and then it's talking about, you know, have your... Have your you know, be able to describe the game in two sentences. You know, mm. be able to have your two-minute elevator pitch and have it down. So, you know, when they asked me what the elevator pitch was, you know, I think I said all the right stuff, but it wasn't a good elevator pitch. It wasn't your 20 seconds, no. No, it wasn't, you know, it was a bit rambling. And uh, is there a common theme there? Uh, might be. Um, and they, you know, they were saying, oh, focus it down. Be, be very specific. You can widen it later. But if you make it too wide to begin with, it's like, what's this game all about? We don't, yeah. we don't know because you're not telling us. Um, we then need to take that understanding, which I think we've probably got, although we need mm-hmm. to like say work out how we craft those, uh, you know, the the sound bite and the, the the elevator pitch. But I think we understand probably 
what that feels like. We then need to take that into our art style, take that into our layout style and make the whole thing kind of come alive. And mm-hmm. particularly for the for the cover, the you know, the game needs to the cover needs to say the game. Yeah. Pull off the it. trick of telling you what the game is in a picture. Yeah. Um which is not an easy easy thing to do. I think, you know, Free League do it really well. You know, if you take Alien, for example, there's no mistaking what's going on there. If you take Verson, you know, mm. he tells you tells you all about the game there. Um, Mutant Year Zero, the cover of that, you get a real good sense of what the game's all about just by looking at that picture. And that's what that's what they were saying to us. We need to try and get that for um, for Tales of the Old West. Yeah. They gave us a load of other advice as well around um, some of it around uh, um, kind of trying to find freelancers and, and artwork and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have offered to, to uh, well, particularly Nils has offered to continue to give us sort of advice and guidance and help us through, through cool, the next Cool, because that, that's really good, because Nils, I think, is, um, you know, he, he of, of everybody at Free League, he's the publisher, in that he was a publisher before Free League happened. So, um, so getting his expertise uh, to help us out will be brilliant. If only yeah. we can get and, them to answer our emails, but that's another story. But I mean, yeah, they're so generous of them. I mean, they don't have to do this for us, but mm. they are, you know, they are such nice people. And they were, <laughs> it was quite funny because uh, this trip with Free League was a bit like, um, you know, there were six of them, I think, five or six yeah, of them. Yeah, it's a, with, yeah, with the Johan. biggest Free League <clears throat> contingent we ever and had. It was, it was a bit like a um, Free League goes wild in the country kind of thing. <laughs> Or comic strip does free league in UK, and they were having a blast. So you know, mm. once once we were out of the out of the expo, they were having a drink, letting their hair down. You know, they're all old friends; they've known each other for donkey's years. So mm-hmm. um, having a great time, <laughs> you know, and, and tr- trying to get the trying to keep them focused on the kind of the conversation that I want. I you know, I was desperate to have with them it was quite hard, particularly with Costa. <laughs> Costa is. Um, a very very senior medical consultant in yeah. Stockholm, and he he is you know very very senior. He, he's so, your actual so, brain surgeon, isn't he? And so he is a he is a very responsible, very serious man in in, in that in that. When in that he's role. at work, but he's but not at work. I've, he's I've on holiday. Him, I've never seen him in that role, and he is the <laughs> the silliest, funniest. You know, just wants to have a laugh, Joker kind of character when he's not in that especially after a couple of glasses of red wine. Um, but he also gave great advice. So it was a great conversation. We had a lot of fun. And they all... They all did we crack the- Matthias at all? Did has, is he, is he, Are we slowly winning him over? No, well, Mat- Matthias wasn't there, so he wasn't oh, involved right. in the conversation. So we didn't talk to him about Tales of the Old West. Right, okay. So um, I, don't know, I don't know where Matthias is on the scale of loving and hating the idea. <laughs> probably still um, hating it. I guess his probably. absence says it all. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. No, no, no. He was busy. He, um, he and Anna had gone to something at the Hilton when we right. all come back to the hotel cool. on the Saturday. So he wasn't he wasn't dissing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, what he, he just, says. Well, true. He, but he had more important. <laughs> he might want to said to Anna, Anna, come on, we need we need a thing so I don't have to talk about the Western game. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, I just like to say thanks to Nils in particular, but also to to all the others. You know, Costa, Johan, and, and Martin. Um, fabulous advice, and it was really generous of them to, to take the time to to share it with me. So um, with us, so yeah, we now have a job of work to do, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm keen for us to get on with that as quickly as we are physically able. Cool. Well, that, that's great. It's it's just it's perfectly timed, of course, because I've just taken a full time job on. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, okay, you got to quit, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> not till i've earned enough money to pay for all the artists we need um, well 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 there's that yeah no but uh, that's, the thing is i mean you know you know kickstarting is almost certainly going to be the best course for us i think um, so yeah and obviously we'll need an invest amount of money up front but then the successful kickstarter will hopefully then cover take that take that financial risk away um yeah or at least reduce minimize that financial risk um, for for paying for the rest of it. Cool. So, well, I think yeah. we have done our duty uh, for this episode and woken up in the course of it as well. And I haven't yes. even had my coffee today yet. So um, mm. 
I I think I feel the coffee pot calling me. Yeah. I think I need to go and wake Jenny up because I haven't heard her come downstairs yet, but she might have done quietly. Brilliant. So, so um, cool. next time, we will give you some more content that we haven't quite worked out what it is yet. <laughs> yes. Um, next I time, there will be a show. There will be a I, next time. There will be a next time, and it will very likely be around two weeks away from now this when you're listening to this this is already going to be around two weeks from the last episode because um, <laughs> we're recording on a sunday it's normally you know it was normally out by yesterday morning for most yeah. of you but um did we, i was thinking did we used to record on a sunday morning before the pandemic yeah you know i think, it, we, I think we must have done didn't we i don't I remember. think we did most of the time because we did have jobs to do um yeah uh hold on you'd gone down to a four-day week were, were we recording on friday for longer than but i think initially we were recording definitely at the weekend and yeah we may have to go back to that on a more permanent basis yeah yeah at least for the next six months while i've got this contract on Indeed, um, yeah yeah cool. so uh so yeah be prepared, listeners, for a little bit of uh, flexibility in our scheduling and timing and stuff like that. But we'll hopefully we'll just settle into the new routine. Yeah, I mean, get into long, a new habit, and we'll be, um, we'll be yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. <clears throat> um, cool. Well, I think that's probably us for today, then, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. So, is that goodbye so, from you? Uh, that is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.